Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green Podcast. Another, another Mean Green Podcast. It is episode six. We're in two times three territory, baby. I'm Reed Smith, joined by my co-host Milo. How are you today, Milo? How are things? I am doing phenomenal now that it's that time of the week, you know? Another Mean Green Podcast day. I love it. I always look forward to this moment. I'm glazing the podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) here I am. You know, I got to pump the tires of our own podcast. There you go. You know, eh, you got to love yourself before you can ever love anyone else, is what I've always heard. Um, Love yourself before you love another podcast. Exactly. And I would never cheat on this podcast, ever. You're never going to catch me cheating on this podcast. But we have a great episode for you. Today, um, quite the week for UNT, really. Uh, We'll get into that later, but I don't know, man. I just kind of want to talk about how Denton is rainy as hell on homecoming week right now. Oh, really? That's what I'm saying. I feel like it's always either like extremely cold or rainy or both. That does not surprise me. One of the big things that I was really looking forward to when I found that I was leaving Denton was leaving behind the Denton weather. I absolutely yep. hated how Denton was always cold, windy, and gray and cloudy and gloomy, and it just not good. Whereas I moved to Southern California, the sun's always out, minus today. Today it's a little gray and, and dark out. But um, yeah, when you hit those fall, when you hit those fall months in Denton, yeah, pretty much from October to February, it's just straight gray and cloudy every day of the week. So yep. it doesn't surprise me that you're going to have a rainy homecoming. And honestly, just roll a die uh, to, for the weather. Make a die and make it have six sides, which are rain, sunny, stormy, cold, snowy, or hot. Um, roll it, and that will probably be the weather that day. You never know. But yeah, then weather's seemed- bipolar. Exactly. And it just seems like, once again, the homecoming weather isn't going to be great. I don't think there's ever been a bonfire day, which has been, like, good weather all day. You know? Yeah, I, I'm not too sure, um, you know, because every time – of course, the bonfire is always at night, so I can't can't ever seem to remember what the weather was like in the day. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty disappointing. And then couple that with – the attendance as well. The attendance is probably not going to be nearly as high as what it normally would if it was a decent day out. So, yeah, pretty disappointing to start off. Yes, for sure a rain, rain, go away moment. Uh, did you ever go to the bonfire? So Eric Morris yesterday at the press conference, he, he's doing this thing lately where he's talking to me before press conferences, which which I said I appreciate. Um, he, he was like, yeah, you ever been to the bonfire? I'm like, yeah, I have. I've been a couple of times. He said, oh, how was ask him it? if he's ever been. Oh, I do. <laughs> and, and, what's it called? <laughs> do you know Do you know how I described it? Because I'm not used to answering questions at a press conference. He said, oh, yeah. how was it? I said, hot. <laughs> I described a fire as hot. Yeah, there's a big-ass fire right in front it's of you. Big, yeah, it is it's pretty a big hot. fire. Like, obviously, it's going to be hot. Um, and he was like, oh yeah, it was hot. Like, yeah, <laughs> probably not knowing what to say there, but I don't know, man. 
Uh, I only went like twice. I'm not gonna go this year. Yeah, um, I think I, I one of those I, was I with you. Went, yeah, one of them was with me. I actually went. I think three times. First year I was in Green Brigade, so of course I had to be there. I was a part of the event. There you uh, go. Playing the music, and that was cool. Uh, every year that I went, it was always nice. Uh, I thought it was always a good environment, good atmosphere, very good for a school that, you know, no offense to UNT does not nearly have as good of school spirit as other universities in the state of Texas. UNT does a pretty decent job, pretty good job during homecoming week and the bonfire is definitely something to look forward to. For sure. And it always has like a large number of people that show up, which is a tough ask of any UNT event, but yeah. it always draws the people. My sister was in Talons. She was an honorary flame lighter torch bearer, torch bearer, uh, two, two years ago. Uh, she got married yesterday. So shout out to her. Uh, her name was Harper Smith. Her name is now Harper Anderson. Uh, shout out to her second brother-in-law named Nathan. I now have two official brother-in-laws named Nathan. So that's interesting weird they were both torchbearers in talon but i i don't know just like you were saying i kind of want to get into that it it pains me to see like tens of thousands and of course unbiased pains me because i just like reporting football and big big crowds it pains me that you see tens of thousand people out at the bonfire but not at the gridiron if you get me yeah no i i get it um and it's kind of it's kind of a result of people not exactly caring about football, right? That's true. Because yeah. people that go to UNT, and it's not just UNT, it's anywhere. You could say, hey, we're gonna have a giant fire, come check it out. We're gonna have <laughs> other th- we're gonna have other things there too, but there's a giant fire we're gonna put on in the middle of fall. Um, it's gonna attract a good crowd, especially to college kids. And um, and it, it does every year. Now, the football game, on the other hand, it's a little bit more of a disappointment. Um, the football game, you know, not very many people attend that. And like I said, it, it could be primarily because not as many people care about football at UNT. Um, and another thing is, you know, they haven't always played the most exciting teams on homecoming yeah. week. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I look back, I was trying to think about who was homecoming last year just now. I was about to be like, I don't know who it was. Yeah, it was FIU. I remember that because the crowd was like good at kickoff and then UNT just started going ham. They beat the crap out of FIU that season and every student left and at halftime of a, of a game UNT was winning big. Uh, and then 2021, it was UTEP and that was a pretty good crowd and that stayed like yeah. good the, the entire time. So, you know, I mean, I think it's a tough ask to, to get, the people from the bonfire to the football game, from what I've heard, the football team is going to like try a lot harder this time at the bonfire to get people at the football game. Um, it certainly sounded like that during Eric Morris's press conference. Uh, I just want to say you're welcome to mean green sports uh, and the athletic communications and uh, UNT in general, because I asked a question of Eric Morris of like, all right, coach, um, what does homecoming, if anything, change? And what does it add to this week? And he went on like a tirade about how great UNT is, 
how homecoming is great, how this should unite everyone, and how he thinks they're going to field a pretty good damn football team coming up. Good for and, him. Yeah. Good for him. So I would like that Dwayne Wade, LeBron James picture. I'm Dwayne Wade in that picture. I'm Dwayne you Wade. Threw in that up the lob to Eric I, threw, I threw up the lob and Eric Morris dunked it. So you're welcome, Mean Green Sports, for asking that question. Because if I didn't say that, he would have never went on that like spiel. And you should have seen all the alumni were like, hell yeah, we love to see that. We love Look, to see that. I think Eric Morris, since he's gotten to UNT, has done a phenomenal job of getting involved. He has yep. done so much more than Seth Latrella had done in his, what, six years that he was with the team in terms of engaging with the community, in terms of engaging with the students. Um, just today, there was a video that was posted. We were just talking about it on Twitter. Uh, he's playing cornhole with the students in the library mall. He and that's was, totally cool. He was like, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't shooting think shooting them seen, hoes too, bro. Like he was knocking them down. Yeah, I don't think we've seen, <laughs> we saw Seth Latrell ever do something like that. And then I also remember when the season just started to kick off the season, Eric Morris was there with the team giving out Chick-fil-A in the, uh, in the union. So yeah. it's good to get that involvement, good to kind of, um, you know, establish a face to your football head coach, to, to the casuals and to other people that don't exactly follow the football program, you know, to, to see – your team's head football coach sitting there giving stuff out. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. This is a guy that's in a, in in a position of authority that means a lot to the university that that's doing good deeds and giving back to the community. So yeah, um, good on Eric Morris. Yeah, and I mean, look at the results from the Cal game. Did they get their ass handed to them? Yes, they did the old UNT, but I mean, they sold out that stadium. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it wasn't exactly a sellout, but like. It was pretty damn close on, on opening it was, day. It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And now the team is playing pretty well. Uh, we'll segue that in to let's get into the gridiron. Get into the gridiron. That's the first time I've messed that up on this podcast. Damn it. But <laughs> Tulane, that was hell of a game. <laughs> I mean, that we, we, it looked like it was going to be a slush fest. And it turned into a hell of a game, honestly. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't shut it off at all at halftime. I mean, no, I don't think I was going to, but I remember sitting there and I was texting you, and I'm like, look, this kind of feels like a waste of time watching this game. Like, they're just going to get pounded exactly like what we predicted on the podcast last weekend. And they come out to start the second half, and they're flying, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they were think, flying, think, flying. Yeah. I think they definitely – they, they pulled their own weight in that second half, and they made it a respectable finish. Yeah, and I think it really does constitute a round of applause, first of all. And, damn, hand to heart, we got it wrong on the podcast for the first time. We got it really mm-hmm. wrong. I said 45-17. You said 45-30, or, yeah, you said 45-30. Yeah. Um, just didn't happen. I mean, a lot of things went UNT's way, uh, you know, yeah. last Saturday. Of course, the onside kick recovery, that was ballsy. Oh, that was um, awesome. I mean, that, that was, was awesome. like – I don't know if you, if you saw my Twitter, uh, at Milo's tweets, got to plug <laughs> it. 
but I, I, I tweeted out a picture of South Park. The guy's, the guy's got his balls in a wheelbarrow, big balls. And, uh, you know, I said that's Eric Morris because Eric Morris, that game was ballsy. I mean, he's been ballsy all year, but that was a prime example of it. I mean, you look at it, one for five fourth down conversions against Tulane. He, I mean, he looked Tulane in the face and said, <laughs> I bet. Like, if we're going I mean, for it on all four downs. Yeah. 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 We're going for it on all four downs, no matter what part of the field is what he said. Yeah. Not us. We don't say we. Um, we are the podcast that doesn't say we. Um, yeah. But. Looked <laughs> looked it in the face. I mean, had the quarterback to and Chandler Rogers to to co- get the game plan going there in the second half. The first half offensively was abysmal. Yeah, it, it the was the first half. Awful. Like I said, like I said, it, it was shaping up to be the game that we all figured and we all thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, twenty-one nothing at halftime. I was impressed by the defense at halftime. It should have been like 35 nothing, but uh shout out to Patrick Smith who punched that uh punched that ball out at, at the goal line. Michael Pratt was running in, he's diving. Patrick Smith just came in there, gave him a Mike Tyson one two, and it was recovered in the end zone by UNT. Can't remember who jumped on it, but touchback. That was like that was I mean huge. in the second half, it kind of gets forgotten, you know, because the comeback. But if you go back to that play. That play is like one that you go, the game probably is a lot different if Pat Smith doesn't turn into like prime Deontay Wilder and punch that <laughs> ball out. You know? Yeah, if that ball is not turned over, we're looking at a totally different finish and a totally yeah. different second half. For sure. And I think that uh, a very admirable game for, for the Mean Green against Tulane. And listen, I understand Morris saying, Oh, I'm not big on moral victories. Oh, I'm not going to take anything from this. At the end of the day, we want to get the win. That's what a coach is supposed to say. That's good to hear. You know, like you're not going to want to hear a coach who's content with losing. That's that's a good thing. But yeah, of course, because I'm not a coach of UNT, I can look at that and say yes, they can take a lot of moral victories from that because the defense. I mean, they lost 35-28. Final play uh, for of Tulane, the the game winner, the Michael Pratt twenty yarder, uh, twenty yard run. That was a blown, uh, that was a bl- a blown uh, coverage. Uh, they blitzed the right side, left the left w- wide open, and and Pratt just read it. That's in the story I wrote. I said it was like an experience lace drive. That's just Michael Pratt having a very great football mind and just saying that open up i mean the red sea parted and he had the athleticism to get there you know yeah so, i think that's pretty much all that there was i do want to talk about this though milo so in both of unt's american athletic conference losses it came down to the final drive and that they didn't get past uh their own 50 both ended on incomplete passes on fourth down against navy and against Tulane. so do they just not have that clutch gene yet? Like, Yeah, so I, I think that's the burning question about <laughs> Chandler Rogers. Um, we've seen everything from him. He's been phenomenal, except for in those final game-deciding drives, right? Um, I think I also mentioned this 
last weekend. Clutchness is a factor that is highly regarded in the NBA. Um, I don't know if it's really a big factor in college football because college football, again, is more of a team sport than, than the NBA. But you can make the argument and you can assess Chandler Rogers as, is he a clutch player? Is he that guy that you trust when you're coming down to the wire in the final minute of the game and you want to come away with a win, right? So yeah. I, I think there is something still to be desired with uh, Chandler Rogers and this mean green team in the clutch. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I, it's hard to it's hard to judge it because of how good Chandler Rogers did play in that game. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to say, oh, you know, Chandler just didn't come up at the end for for UNT, but you know, I mean. Landon Slide slipped on that final. Yeah, that final turf play. was weird all game long. Yeah, I don't think that he, I don't think he would have caught it anyway. But just going through that final North Texas drive, it was 16 yard pass to Damon Ward, sack, timeout, short pass, 16 yards again for Damon Ward, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, nine yard pass to Jamori. Incomplete pass. That's a lot of incomplete passes. Yeah, but for what it's worth, I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say it was much better than the Navy final drive. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was much better. But I think they got off on the right foot in that final drive, and then it just it kind of collapsed, right? Yeah. I think I think he came out flying on that first down. And I thought they had a chance to potentially get the game evened up. And yeah, um, yeah it, it just kind of deteriorated. Had those two big completions to Damon Ward. I kind of wonder where Jamori Macklin is in that final drive. He doesn't get a target until the second to last play of the game. I, I think that when you got a bona fide, let's, let's call it what it is, a bona fide star in Jamori Macklin at receiver. Yeah. I think you got to target him a couple more times there. Yeah, you yeah. definitely got to find him. I mean, I was I was sitting there the whole final minute expecting him to throw to him, and uh, it just didn't happen. Yeah, and if a guy doesn't get open, he doesn't get open. But give him of a fifty-fifty, like give him a streak on a fifty-fifty. You know, let God decide it. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. Jamori Jamori's a star. He's scored in all seven games this season. Is leading. The uh, the conference, I believe, I'll double check that. Don't take my word for your listeners, but from pre- preliminary looks where I haven't looked at like all-purpose touchdowns and things like that, uh, particularly, I know he's leading uh, the American in, in, in receiving touchdowns with nine. I think that might be the most for a non-quarterback. Yeah, I think he was also, I think he was also named to the Boletnikov award yeah, watch list, I think. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, dude, without a doubt, bona fide star. Absolutely. I think you said it a, a, a couple of days ago, but he is the best wide receiver the Mean Green have had since Jalen Darden. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, think there's any, any discussion there. In some ways, I think his prospects in the NFL are a little bit better than Jalen Darden. I mean, I, yeah. that's my hot I mean, take today. Uh, yeah. I believe it. I mean, now that he's not playing in Conference USA, he's playing in the American. 
uh, a little bit more tougher competition he's going up against, and he's thriving against that competition too. He's still he balling out. Well, so, he's, he's doing even better than he did. Yeah. He was I don't know. I mean, listen, all respect to the last coaching staff, how in the hell were you keeping a kid like that on the bench as much as they did? I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't know. Do you think that it's the component of having Chandler Rogers, who's throwing to you now? Do you think well, that could also play a role in, in his breakout? He caught a couple of deep shots from Ostinani last year, and he was like third in the co- – or I think he was first in the country and, and runs after catch. He was racking them up. Uh, shout out Madden. And he was – solid he looked good every time he played last year i was always like man he's gonna break out eventually he's probably gonna break out next season now he's breaking out this season does it have to do with more of the the pass heavy offense with with morris and davis i mean probably a little bit yeah but that doesn't, yeah. yeah but that that doesn't change the talent he had i don't think he made like a, a huge jump from last year to this year i think he just is playing more this year so he has a better chance to show what he can do. He has a coaching staff that knows how to use him. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I was just there. There was a game that actually an SID mentioned the other day, ironically against Memphis, um, that Jamori caught a uh, an Ani bomb. I can't remember how long of a pass it was. It was in like the 40, 50 range. Burned, burned the defensive back. Caught it back of the end zone. Typical Jamori stuff we're accustomed to now. But I remember after that catch, I was like, they got to get that guy more reps. And then they didn't. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's like you said, maybe the previous coaching staff not utilizing him. Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, Latrell lived and died by the run. And speaking yeah. of the run, uh, Isaiah Johnson not looking good for the rest of the season. Um, uh, he got a run over there at the uh, two-lane game. Leg got stuck under a guy. Could not put pressure on that right leg as he exited the field. Morris said that they're going to try to get him back this season, which I believe in college football coach talk, that means probably not. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be surprised if we see him again. So that's two of the brutal. It was a brutal one. Uh, That's now two of the big four out uh, for the running backs. Akaka Ragsdale out for the season. Isaiah Johnson to be determined, but not looking great. Uh, Which leaves Iowa Day very solid. Uh, Oscar Attaway, solid as can be, but you always got to wonder. It's always at the back of your head a little bit. Will he be able to stay healthy? and uh, Quaylen Farrar now is who a lot of, uh, or who Morris, not a lot of. Well, I, I said a lot of because Brett and I uh, and a couple other people speculated Farrar was the fifth on the depth chart uh, ahead of BK Jackson. Uh, and, and it looks like that's true. Uh, Morris said that Farrar will get a couple more looks. Uh, standout out of South Oak Cliff red-shirted last season, looks pretty good at the spring game, really just hasn't really adjusted to the air raid look, not not getting his hands very prepared in the backfield, which, you know, UNT loves to get his guys in space to catch the ball. So 
kind of a needed skill in the Morris offense. We'll see if he's improved that uh, as the season has gone on. But yeah, the the running back room depth, I, I think it'll be okay. Uh, Io has been getting a majority of the carries anyway, um, but you lose a really solid short yardage guy in, in Isaiah Johnson. That's a big one. Yeah, I think that's a tough loss, but um, the depth of that running back room uh, is going to keep them afloat. At least I think they'll be okay just because they've got that depth. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, and they got depth in the receiver room as well. So, I mean, yeah, if you have, if you have to sacrifice some carries, then it's okay because you got a really good receiving core as well. Uh, I just kind of want to move on here then. Uh, how good do you think UNT is? I think they're a lot better than we thought. I think that should be the consensus. They are a lot better than we thought. I remember we were sitting here a couple weeks ago and looking at their schedule saying, I don't know if they could pull away a win at all out of these next, what, this four-game, five-game stretch where they're taking on Navy, um, Temple, Tulane, and now Memphis, and then, of course, you get UTSA and SMU. After what we saw this past weekend, I think they can steal a couple more wins. I Me definitely too. think they can steal a couple more wins. I'm I mean, not sold on were, UTSA. Yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely not. And I think when you compete with the number 23 team in the country and you go, you bring it down to the final minute of play with them, that's a pretty damn good sign. Yeah. I think they can compete with Memphis, SMU, and UTSA. Oh, okay, no, I think they compete. I can't. <laughs> Hold the phone, Milo. I said they can compete with them. I never said they'll win. I just no, no, said no. that I think they I, can I agree, compete I agree with, with you there. I agree. They can compete with Memphis. They can compete with UTSA. They ain't competing with SMU. SMU's not ranked, buddy. I'm I don't care if SMU's SMU. ranked or not. SMU is going to can't beat SMU. Mark my words. SMU is going to boat race North Texas. Okay. It, it's going to okay. be 20, is, 20 is that point. is that just because of the momentum there? The SMU historically has been UNT's daddy, and so you yeah. know that they're going to keep their ass. <laughs> yes. All right, all right, precisely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. they've never won at Ford Stadium. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> UNT blows against SMU in the fraudulent rivalry that it is. Six thirty-six uh, and yeah. one, baby. Six thirty-six and one. So that is why I cringe when I see UNT Twitter fingers going crazy, saying. Oh, well, we're going to beat daddy's money. We're going to be. No, I don't think so. SMU fans, I just got to hold up a sign that says 636 and one. That's all I got to do. Yeah. Uh, and because, and not to mention yeah. uh, SMU is uh, statistically the best team in the conference on both offense and defense. So, yeah. so, so take away, take away that um, all time record factor. And I think UNT competes with them. Skill wise, but I think we all know that the you know that probably won't come away with the win because of that um, you know quote unquote rivalry that it is. It'll so. be well. It's probably the last game of the rivalry for the foreseeable future. That'll oh, yeah. be an interesting one. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves because it's Memphis this weekend. Well, let me tell you about Memphis, Milo. Um, Seth Hin again. Seth win again. I don't think so. Uh, his dad, Dave, is Denton Ryan's head coach, a frequenter of uh, John Fields. He talks to John Fields 
very often. What a lucky bastard. They're best um, friends. Yeah. Yeah. They they're such good friends. No, they're not. Uh shout out John Fields. He covers Denton Ryan. He covers all the Denton High School football schools for the DRC. Um, and as a good friend of ours, uh Dave Hennigan talker. He's a he's a big talker of Dave Hennigan. Um and his son, Seth. It's homecoming for him as well because his first game is a college quarterback in Denton, Texas, which is, of course, his hometown. I often wonder how in the hell did Latrell and his staff miss out on even offering that kid? You know, I think that's the age-old question with UNT and recruiting. It seems like Denton, that Denton DFW Metroplex is a powerhouse for pumping out talent and unt just misses the mark every time every time players would much rather players from denton would much rather commit to schools outside of dfw away from denton as opposed to committing to unt yeah uh and just looking at seth hennigan he's had some interception trouble this season but when you throw the ball as much as he does you're gonna run into it unless your name's chandler rogers then you just don't throw picks um Seth has, has thrown 15 touchdowns this season, uh, is third in the conference with 1,856 passing yards on the season for seven interceptions. So the interception numbers are a little high, a little yeah. high, you know. Yeah. But Seth, and again, solid quarterback, um, has really been solid for Memphis. A lot of people didn't think that uh, he would actually get to that point, but he has gotten there, and he's – just solid as can be. Um, would you like to know a, a short little factoid about uh, Mr. Seth Hennigan? Fire away. All right. So Seth Hennigan was in a quarterback battle in 2021 versus a former UNT quarterback that has now transferred again. So, Milo, my question to you is which quarterback was that? And your hint oh, is he's now at Sam Houston. Oh, man. Um, I'm not going to hold you. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. Was All he right. white? <laughs> yeah, he was a tall white kid. Tall. Very tall. Oh. Tallest on staff. Okay. Was, okay. It was uh, Grant Gunnell. Oh, see, I knew it. I knew it. I was going to yep. say something, but I wasn't going to say it. He lost but, the quarterback battle yeah. at Memphis to Seth Hennigan and then transferred yeah. to UNT and then lost the quarterback battle to uh, Austin Ani. And then he transferred to Sam Houston and <laughs> lost the quarterback was, battle say, to Keegan Shoemaker. Is it the quarterback whose dad was always in your DMs? Uh I cannot confirm nor deny that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. that would have been my uh-huh. guess. So yeah, it was it was go. Grant Gannell though. Uh, Keegan Shoemaker's backup at Sam Houston. Can't believe I'm listening to another Mean Green podcast, but I'm Caleb Young, and I give this pod ten yums out of ten.
also got a running back. They're not just a passing team, Memphis. Uh, Blake Watson has been really good for them this year, like top of the conference good for them. Uh, not top of the conference anymore. Uh, Makai Hughes, two lanes running back. He was pretty good last week. Uh, he has 593 yards and 103 attempts uh, and seven touchdowns. He is the rushing touchdown leader in the American Athletic Conference. So, prolific running back, you always got to be a little bit afraid of that if you're yeah, UNT. Yeah, especially, especially if you're UNT. Yeah. If you're UNT. But Milo, I bring to you fantastic news. Would you like it? Oh, boy. I can't UNT wait <laughs> is no longer the worst defense in the country. They are now the fifth worst in the country, giving up 458 yards per game. The worst defense in the country is guess. Um, is it a school from the G5? No, it's P5. Uh, I don't know. Baylor? Uh, Colorado. No, Baylor's defense is not great, but not bad. <laughs> Colorado, really? Yeah, Colorado is the. Did you not watch the Stanford game? No. Yeah, well, if you watched that, you would have guessed it. Is it a um, shootout? Uh, well, it, no, it wasn't really. Uh, they led twenty-eight nothing at half, and then lost forty-two to. 35. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm hearing about that. Yeah. yeah. Coach Prime's got their boy, got his boys playing all offense. Oh yeah, Bro did not account for defense being anything, which is funny because yeah. He is the most prolific defensive back of all time. UNT's rush defense, still the worst in the country. Uh, 130th (laughs) out of 130. 255 yards a game. That's 28 more than anyone else has given up. So so as you're going up against the best running back in your conference, you have to rely. Yeah, one of the best. uh, You have to roll out your league-wide worst defensive unit. They got it. So, well, yeah. the defense as a whole isn't the worst anymore, but the run defense. Is. Yeah, but the, the the run defense. There you go. Thank oh, you yeah. for clarifying. But yeah, um, that's it's not a good look. But uh, I I feel like I'm getting deja vu. We were having the same conversation against Navy. We were, uh, and they've kind of proved us wrong a little bit. They did. Uh, they proved us wrong against Tulane too. So so I guess we just can't talk about the games now, right? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is prediction time. But let's see. It's the two top five offenses in the American. UNT is the best offense in the American Athletic Conference. Memphis is number five. Defense will probably tell the story of the game. Oh, man, I, I don't know. Are you leaning toward any different way? Or are you feeling a certain way about it? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think UNT comes away with the win. I'm going to be optimistic here. Wow. I think UNC, it, UNC should come away with the win after their two-lane game. Um, Caesars is giving it a Memphis by seven and a half, and uh, yeah, over-under is 69. I'm not relying on Caesars anymore after last weekend. <laughs> I went with them. They they predicted two-lane putting up 40, and I did too, and we were both wrong. So Caesars is a no-go for me. Yeah, let's see what I 
it's so hard to, to pick for UNT these days score. I'm going to go UNT wins a thriller 31-28. Oh, I was going to say UNT 35, Memphis 28. So Okay, so yours is a, le- a little less stressful. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, well, so. that's valid. Um, we'll see who's right. Watch it be like Memphis 49, UNT 12 or something. Like something <laughs> stupid. Four field goals. Yeah. Yeah. They need to turn over the ball like they were uh, against Temple and, and against Tulane. They need to be aggressive on defense like that if they want a chance at this one. Yeah, I think they're figuring it out. And as we get into the second half of the season, they got to take this identity that they've established recently and and continue to build on it because they've they've been pretty good. For sure. And I will say, if they beat Memphis, uh, my prediction of five and seven might be Kahoot. They might go six and six if they beat them Uh, because that, that would be beating a really good team and losing by seven to the best team. So, yeah, look, I I think you got to give credit where credit's due. UNT, despite their record, they've had a pretty difficult schedule. They really Um, have. I mean, conference for sure. Yeah. I mean, you look at other teams and their schedules. (laughs) As a, you, as a mean green fan, you got to be sitting there thinking, man, I am jealous of all these other teams that are playing good and, and getting ranked from these trash schedules that they're playing, right? These trash teams. And UNT's over here, they took on Tulane. They had to play Cal. Uh, they also had to play Navy, which is a pretty good team. I mean, they're all scheduled. There's there's no slouch on, on any of their, ske- on, on their schedule at all. So No. They got lucky with Temple's quarterback going down. I think that would have been a they much did. different game had EJ yeah. Warner played. But, you know, I think that this UNT team will be close for a majority of their final games. I think they're going to beat the hell out of Tulsa and UAB to end the season. But I guess the question now is, are those wins going to get them to five wins or is that win going to get them to six wins? If they do, of course, win those. You can't assume in college football any given Saturday. But (laughs) if I had to tell you right now, I think UNT beats the crap out of Tulsa. And I think Trent Dilfer is a fraud. So they beat UAB as well. Um, That's just what I think as of right now. This team has never been predictable on all four years of my reporting them on the beat. So we will see. But as of right now, it looks like this team is is definitely – a bowl team and you know they could sneak in with five wins you know yeah they're a good story i I think absolutely and every every let's be honest every broadcaster in the country wants to say mean green it's unique (laughs) it's a unique different thing to say everybody remembers the corny ass call from the march madness win the the mean green wrecking machine machine. (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) People yeah, just like um, to say it. it. It's, I guess it's a good G five story, right? You got a good, good history behind True. UNT. True. So, and then the, you know, the I can already hear the the pregame notes. Here comes UNT, uh, behind first year head coach Eric Morris. They started out rough, but man, really gave a good team some some tough battles. 
toward the end. You know, I'm surprised on the topic of the broadcast covering Eric Morris. I am very surprised that the broadcast last week against um, Tulane, they kept mentioning that Eric Morris is a protege of uh, Mike Leach. Yeah, they kept they kept saying it. I was like, you know, I got it the first time. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, he, he's from the the Mike Leach coaching tree, sure. But they were they were kind of putting it out there. They were saying, oh, Mike Leach is smiling down upon Eric Morris seeing that play. Like, come on, it's it's not that deep. But you know, I, I was just a little bit a little bit surprised to see the uh, the attention. Morris was getting from the broadcast. Well, early in his tenure, he mentioned Mike Leach a lot because, you know, when he was hired, it was like a week after Mike Leach died. Yeah. So, you know, I think that he's really kind of made that one of his personality traits. He was his coach at, at Texas Tech as well. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it, at some point, Eric Morris has got to be seen as his own man. Yeah. Because, you know, Lincoln Riley is from the Mike Leach coaching tree. You don't hear on every broadcast, you don't hear, oh, Lincoln Riley from the Mike Leach coaching tree. Instead, you hear Lincoln Riley. Man, that defense sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Poor USC, right? Dude, (laughs) USC pack. My my dad, when he was watching the game the other day, he like the Utah game that UNT's or USC's defense just imploded. He looks at the screen for like five minutes. He turns off the screen and just goes, and what? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, valid, Dad. Yeah. Uh, I don't think my dad listens to this podcast, so if he shout out to him if he does ever hear it. But um, yeah, yeah he, he's unhappy with his Trojans right now. Uh, go ahead and man, I can't find my watch. It, damn it, I didn't put it on. Would have been really convenient because i have to check my timing because uh it's yeah. our favorite part of the show better check that timing it's time for miles take yeah so um let's see here this is milo's take correct this is milo's take this is yeah perfect timing by the way because oh. on the topic of usc <laughs> caleb williams no Oh Should my! Should he sit out? No. That is the question. I have no. been seeing some reports, some speculations. <laughs> there are some journalists out there that think he should sit out for the remainder of the season, given this USC team has somehow, seemingly, managed to be hot trash with the best quarterback in college football, and probably Those... the best quarterback college football has seen in the past several years. So should he sit out? No. No, I don't think you, so. I mean, it's your take. Yeah, well, it's no, my take, I, gonna, and I say yeah. absolutely not. Now, there are some people that are advocating for Caleb Libby Williams to sit out for the season and focus on the NFL draft, as he is probably going to go number one overall. I, I think, without a doubt, he oh. should be number one. Yeah, for you sure. know, but but if I'm a scout, I'm sitting there scratching at my chin, going, "How did he not carry his team to a college football playoff?" But it has, I understand that it has it no defense. A team effort. Yes, it's a team effort. And USC has no defense thanks to Lincoln Riley, as we mentioned earlier. Um, so my little stake this week, Caleb Williams, I do not think he should sit out. I think he should tough it up, uh, stick it out like a man, and uh, play the rest of the season. 
uh, continue to contribute to his team, get them to at least a, a, a bowl game, right? I mean, bear, I, I mean, they're going to go to a bowl game, but um, an important bowl game, right? To at least further solidify your legacy as a USC Trojan, although there's really not very much to his legacy outside of uh, a Heisman Trophy and just, you know, being the best player in college football. Yeah, didn't didn't have a trophy uh, other than the Heisman. Didn't have a team trophy. It's, it's it's disappointing to see because you can see it in the game that Caleb can score however many points. That defense is going to say, I challenge you by not playing defense. They don't tackle. They don't cover particularly well. They don't make adjustments. They get sunned by everyone, pretty much. They have missed coverages. They're easily picked apart by by matchups. I mean, they had on that first touchdown, they had a freshman linebacker uh, defending Utah's running back. He's he's not going to be able to catch it. Yeah, he's not going to (laughs) be able to catch that kid. He just burned him. He boat raced him down the damn sideline. And the, I'm I'm sorry for the poor kid. I mean, I, I'm not a USC reporter, so I don't I don't know his name. But number 34 on US, USC's defense is is Utah's running back is running down the field. He's like he's like running, <laughs> he's, he's like running with his arms like flying everywhere. He's got like his arms like flailing around oh as he's God. just like losing the race. I mean, credit to the to the effort, but man. I mean, if you're Utah's offensive coordinator, you look at that play and go, holy moly, they're giving us that matchup? They believe that kid can stop our running back? Hell no. Yeah, so what I'm gathering from this is USC is what we thought UNT was going to be like. Yeah, but initially. Probably the best conference in the country. Exactly. Probably in, in the best conference in the country in that Pac-12, that loaded Pac-12 this year. I know. The last In the season. final year. The the final year of the Pac-12, it's going out with a bang. Oh, for sure. I mean, honestly, USC might be looking forward to the Big Ten at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that we're having that conversation, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it's it's an embarrassment. I mean, that's all you can say. It is For Lincoln, Riley, and USC, it is an embarrassment, and but no, Caleb Williams needs to play it out. If they make a bowl that doesn't matter, then okay. Uh, he shouldn't play in that. But yeah. for the rest of the regular season, yeah, Caleb Williams should be present. I mean, they still got games against Bo Nix and, you know, Oregon State. They got a tough schedule. They need their guy. You know, and, yeah. and the season's not over. They There's a route to the Pac-12 title. They're out of the playoffs. That, that's not a conversation anymore. They're not making the playoff, but they could still win the Pac-12 title, which would still mean something. I mean, you know? I just can't wrap my head around it. You got the best quarterback college football has seen in years. I mean, I would years. say since Trevor Lawrence, but like, would you say Williams is better than Trevor Lawrence was in college? Here's Here's how you have to quantify – Caleb Williams compared to like Lawrence and Burrow and Burrow, very, very good quarterback. Didn't show it until his senior season. Well, I I think Joe Burrow was never up there with Lawrence in terms of skill wise and and franchise. Lawrence was a 
projected franchise quarterback since day one, since he oh, came that's into a, the, the NCAA. Burrow is the definition of late bloomer. I mean, he had that yeah. the most prolific college quarterback season in history. That year he won the Heisman and LSU won the title. Um, that came out of nowhere. Nobody saw yeah. that coming. You know, he 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 really like figured it out in, in that his final college year, which made him a good prospect. T Law was always a great prospect. You always said when he was a like sophomore, when he gets to the league, he'll be solid. Same with Justin Herbert, you know. Yeah. At Oregon, you watch those guys. You looked at their size. You looked at their their measurables. You looked at their leadership qualities, and you said, "Yeah, those are people that you're going to have to watch for in the league." The while blue uh, while Burrow was a late bloomer for Caleb Williams, really, and this pains me to say, is a man that has no affiliation for any team. But that Red River rivalry, Red River rivalry, pardon me. I can never say that pronounce, uh, say that in one take. Um, Caleb Williams came in as a true freshman in one of the, if not the most hostile environment in college football. And he stole the game. And he stole the game. He did. Yeah. He out he dueled Texas. Beat him yeah. 1v11. Um, so when I look at him... I go, that kid is, is, he's special. He's been special since he was a freshman. He has his moments of of bad. He has his bad moments. I mean, against Utah, you were watching that game, right? I didn't watch it, no. Okay, yeah, you didn't miss much. He, They're at the five, right? They have to settle for a field goal because Caleb just, like, drops the ball. Like, he gets in his progression, is about to launch it, just drops it. Like, no explanation for it. He just drops it. Like, you can't say, oh, well, the ball's slippery. It was dry. He's nervous. He, that's what I'm saying. I the think that he's not a nervous. <laughs> I think he has so much. Well, he he has, what's it called? He has, what is it, four losses in his USC career. Three of them are to Utah. Yeah, so, I, was, I was looking up on that. Uh, Utah apparently owns USC now. Yeah, so. Utah, own, well, they've owned him. Utah's beat USC yeah. a couple of times on a big stage. Uh, there was a game a few years back where Nelson Aguilar, who can't catch, um, <laughs> uh, he—I don't remember what year this was. It was like the one of the USC years with under um, is either Kiffin or or maybe Sark even. One of those years where Nelson Aguilar was on the team, he ran out short of the first down, just randomly like in a game-winning situation, he just ran out <laughs> short of the first down. So they just have a mental block against USC that trans or against Utah that transcends coaches and stuff. Utah just has their number. And yeah. they definitely have Caleb Williams' number. Uh, but I don't, I don't know, man. Caleb Williams, what makes him the best prospect is, and I always tell you and John this, when you look at other quarterback prospects like Drake May and Michael Penix and Bo Nix, you say, all right, watch the highlight reel. Oh, could Caleb, Caleb Williams do that? Yeah. Could Caleb, could Caleb Williams do that? Yeah. Could Caleb do that? Yes. When you look at Caleb Williams's tape and you see him do some of the things that he has done, you, do you say that Michael Penix, Bo Nix, or Drake May could do that? And my answer is no. No, I mean, no. I do not think that. I do not think that 
Penix Jr., uh, Bo Nix, and the other person you mentioned on drawing blank, but Drake May. I don't, yeah, Drake May. I don't think any of them are better than Caleb Williams. And yeah. I, I mean, there are some people that'll be biased and say Drake May is, is on the same level as Caleb. I don't think so. I don't. I think Caleb, it's Caleb Williams and the rest of the quarterbacks in college football. Um, it, and it's it really just, is. It's, it's just really disappointing to see that the best quarterback in college football is not going to be competing on the biggest stage. I think yeah. it's a really big disappointment for USC and for just college football fans in general. It's just not a good look. I just think Caleb is a product of his struggle, really, is a product of the situation around him. USC's situation right now is not good. They don't have a defense, and I think he's pressing. He's trying to be Superman on every page, when sometimes you just got to be Caleb Williams. Yeah. He can't be the savior. <sighs> All right, good good take, Milo. I agree with you. But, no, he should not sit out. Yeah. Final word. Definitely yeah. should not sit out. All right. Let's get to cornball of the week. Who's your cornball? Start us oh, off. Oh, my cornball. Uh, I don't know if you can you can classify it as one cornball or two cornballs, whatever. Dabo Sweeney and Cade Klubnik, uh, the Clemson Tigers. Look, they're going up against Miami. It's second overtime. Miami leads 28-20. Uh, Clemson is literally on the goal line. They've got a chance to tie it. And instead of running the ball, Klubnik decides to hold it and go for an RPO. (laughs) (laughs) And and fails miserably. He gets taken down, uh, totally misread the defense. He gets taken down, and Miami wins. And they upset Clemson. So after that, Dabo proceeds to go in the post-game press conference and says, calls his quarterback out and says, yeah, he was supposed to hand it off in the final play, and he didn't. Not sure what happened there, but he was supposed to hand it off, and he didn't, and we lost the game. Uh, really big cornball move from not just Klubnik to kind of ignore his coach's play, um, but also Dabo for calling him out in the press conference. Like, you don't got to do that against your starting QB. Uh, you know, you can rip on him all you want, behind the media you don't have to do it in front of everybody yeah for sure i agree with you there um but i'm surprised you didn't mention the cornballiest thing he said what was it uh one of the reporters asked him for you know for these situations do you have a sports psychologist oh yeah i don't mention that but <laughs> well i think if we're gonna really capture the whole cornball picture we have to mention it i think it's fair uh, Dabo's fair. response, and I say this as a quote, <laughs> was, yeah, we do, but he's probably suicidal right now. <laughs> he's, really? He's been, he's been a pretty outspoken coach. He, he's and that is, a, that is a quote from Dabo Sweeney. Us at the, another Mean Green podcast, Mean Green 24-7, do not condone that at all no absolutely not if you need help call the national hotline um or reach out to a loved one and get professional help Dabo can't yeah, be making jokes with like a that. smile on his face too i'm watching yeah. i'm watching the clip now. yeah Dabo he's sitting there with a smirk things. on his face and uh i mean that's not cool 
No, that's not Dabo cool. cannot be saying that kind of stuff at all. And that that's just like I'm sure he had to go to PR training for that one, but <laughs> that's such like a I don't I don't even want to say de- detached because I don't even think it's detached. It's just kind of a human thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think I think especially when you're up there, you're not just some bummy D1 college head coach that you're Dabo Swinney. You're Dabo Swinney, right? You're a, a national champion and, you know, there's players and you know, fans that look up to you and you say something like that. Um, Is it tone deaf? I think, I think so. I I think it's definitely insensitive and it's tone deaf to, to say something like that. So that's a very big cornball move by Dabo. Yeah. And you also have to look at like how, no matter how much, you know, getting help has, has been destigmatized athletes getting help, it's still a huge stigma. And that's probably oh, yeah. why that reporter asked that because this is the second time Clemson has lost a game due to a stupid play. Yeah. So, you know, you got to realize that is a leader of men is a very influential figure in college football. You cannot be saying those things because maybe some kids on your team that need help now won't go get it because they think that their coach it not for them doesn't support them in that way. You know, and that's just not acceptable. That's how you get, you know, awful stories that we've heard before. So Dabo Sweeney, I say this with my entire chest. You are Milo's cornball of the week. You are a damn cornball. The corniest of cornballs. That's right. And just to kind of close everything out, Dabo and the Clemson Tigers are now five and five in their last 10 games. It's been quite a fall off for them since, losing trevor lawrence and, and everybody it else it has um, yeah it's been rough so yeah hopefully no more cornball moves from that team and their coach but i wouldn't be surprised if we see him again on cornball of the week no me either couldn't have happened to a cornier guy uh yeah. <laughs> let are, are you ready for my cornball of the week because i don't think you are the most highly anticipated thing of this afternoon let's hear it you are my cornball of the week. Me! You are Me. my cornball of the week. Oh, you are my, the cornball of the week. Yeah, you know where this is going. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. let me paint a picture for you. I'm enjoying my team making the World Series. I'm very happy, <laughs> very pleased. Uh, on Monday night, the Rangers defeated the Houston Astros to advance to Game 7 of the World Series. I'm hyped. I'm excited. I get to talk a lot of mess to all of my Astros friends. It's a good night. Very good night. I shed a tear during that final out. It's been a long time coming. It's been, in fact, 12 years coming for the Rangers. Very, very good. It's not that night that I'm talking about. Flash forward (laughs) to Wednesday night. The Diamondbacks shock the world. They defeat the Phillies in Game 7 at Citizens Bank Park. See you later, Bryce Harper. And there's a drive to left by Castellanos. He's been eliminated from playoff contention. But 
I opened the group chat, and instead of saying, wow, what a great comeback story matchup between the Diamondbacks and the and the Rangers, who had both lost 85-plus games the last two seasons and are now going to the World Series. Instead, I opened the group chat to L matchup. It is. It's an L Boring. matchup. It's trash. Nobody wants to watch. It is not an L matchup. Yep. Dude, I'm not even a baseball fan. And I can this, is your New York, this is your New York sports look, bias. Look, 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 look. As a New this York, New sports, York fan, sports fan, as a New York sports fan, I should be happy that a Philly team is not in the championship. Exactly. Here. I should be, right? But you know what? I'm a hater. I'm drinking my hater. <laughs> I'm cl- I'm clocking into a shift at the hater building. And yeah. I think that Philly being in the World Series would carry the TV ratings and the attention of the World Series. But who now, cares but about now, ratings? But now, but who now cares? You've got two mid fan bases in the oh, Texas my. Rangers. Mid fan bases. Mid fan bases. The Rangers fan base has been struggling for years. We've been right. struggling for years, and now we're on the World Series, and that's a mid fan base. No, okay, you're the cor- but there are, you're a cornball. No, no. The are, are you a, a box executive? Why are you no. upset? About this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not upset. I was just stating the obvious, but you have a problem with it. It was not. It's not stating the obvious. Who the it hell is? There's cares? so many people on Twitter that were saying okay. the same shit. Okay. As a matter of so fact, many I literally Nate, Nate I Silver and so many people. I mentioned it in the group chat, and then you immediately sent someone's tweet saying the same thing, and I didn't even know about it. I sent you so, a tweet of a cornball that tweeted so, that and somebody <laughs> responding to that cornball and so you are a cornball okay, by association okay, okay but the fact that i know nothing about baseball and i'm able to come to the same conclusion as someone who does oh know something God. about baseball you just saw two states <laughs> and said oh they're not good because you're a new york sports fan it's true arizona the hell cares? All, okay texas is okay texas is like okay it's just mid but arizona's bad it's Arizona, dude. DFW is one of the largest base. markets in the damn country. Again, I said Texas is okay. Phoenix is pretty but... big too. No, no. Yes, it, I'm sorry. Yes, Fe- it Phoenix. Is. Phoenix is big. Phoenix is big. Okay, but Arizona sports teams in general just don't have that fan did you, base. Did you watch the? Teams. Did you watch the NBA playoffs? Yeah, the Phoenix Suns. They blow. They lost. No. <laughs> But they came to the stadium. What what is their what is their yeah, dumbass yeah. stadium or their dumbass arena called? Talking Stick. I don't know, but all I know is that the Arizona Coyotes don't even have. Oh a my god! See, that's <laughs> my theory. That's my theory. You cornball of the week is that you look at the NHL and you go, no. yeah. Let's okay. see. Arizona's okay. mid. Dallas is mid. Was- Therefore, the Rangers and Diamondbacks are mid, and that's okay. not true. You, you can't know, judge no, no, the no, entirety no, no. of a market on one team. <laughs> no, no, because if I was just looking at hockey, how would all the other people, all the other reporters and people on Twitter be it's, in agreement with me? It was one person. It was not one person. It was There's one person and a bunch of Astros that. fans. There's a bunch of people saying it. No, okay. oh, no, they weren't. Dude, also, I didn't, I didn't. Also, the Astros, the, the Astros, 
Also, the Astros have a bigger fan base than the Texas Rangers. Oh, the shut Arlington the hell Rangers. up. Oh, that's so boring. technically, if you want to get into oh. the Astros being in the oh, finals, okay. would have been better than the Texas Okay. Rangers. How much since when? 2017 when they won the title? That's when they yeah, got all yeah. their fans? When, when they did more than the Arlington Rangers. Let me yeah. tell you that if you want to go back and look at the <laughs> attendance numbers of when the Astros were <laughs> you can go look at that and then compare it to the 10-year the span that the Rangers were, were terrible. I guarantee you the Rangers out out attended them before the Astros like really started getting good in like 15, 2015. Ain't no one showed up at Minute Maid Park. It's a mid ugly park. The Crawford boxes are ugly. The team sucks and it's over. The Rangers are going to the World Series and they're playing an equally deserving team in the Diamondbacks. It's a good matchup, you damn Fox executive. Who the hell called you? Did like Mr. Fox call you and go, Hey, Milo, oh, this is such a bad matchup. We're going to lose money over this. Like, are you an investor? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Let, let, let me just, yeah. I will end off with this to defend <laughs> myself. My rebuttal is this. Let's say same time next week. This is a game between now and next oh, week, right? Or, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. If I have the TV ratings that say <laughs> these are the lowest ratings in years, you have to eat your words, okay? All right. You, what do we want to put a bet on this? What do you want me to do? Do you just want me to admit it, or do you want to bet something? Yeah, you you have to go on this podcast next week and call yourself the cornball of the week for not oh not agreeing with me. So I will be the cornball of the week if the TV ratings are worse than last season. Yeah, which was uh, yeah. Astros versus the Phillies. Yeah. Okay, I can do that. All right. So we yep. have a bet. Reed yeah, Smith will we Reed Smith will officially be cornball of the week next week. No, I won't. No, I won't. I guarantee you yeah. I won't. All right. Well, we'll see about that. Bottom line is Texas Rangers, Arizona Diamondbacks, not the best matchup in terms of media popularity. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Nobody nobody so, cares. Whatever. Nobody whatever. cares. I I will proudly take being cornball yeah. of the week to the grave. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'll take it. Anyway, <sighs> what are you doing this weekend? Um, as of right now, yep, I'm not too sure. We'll have to we'll have to figure it out. I'll be watching the Mean Green, of course. I feel like I definitely portray myself as a guy that literally just watches the Mean Green every weekend. But uh, I promise you, I do other things on the weekend. It just so happens that I don't plan my weekend until Thursday, Friday-ish. So I got nothing at the moment, but I definitely will come this weekend. That's valid. Um, I will be at the Datku Stadium um, to report homecoming between North Texas and Memphis. A big conference game that we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, then I'm, I'm going to Argyle for high school football coverage on Friday. Uh, obviously going to be watching a very anticipated and well-watched World Series matchup between two great markets. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm doing this weekend. Uh, but that, I think we're going to wrap it up. The, we're simmering down now. You you really pissed me off this episode, Mike. Yeah. Okay. Just wait. Just wait until I bring out John Fields. Oh my gosh! Yeah. The cherry on top. Uh, we will probably have John Fields on for a segment soon, so stay, stay in tuned. tuned for stay yeah. tuned for that. 
for a special interview with John Fields. Uh, we can't talk uh, UNT football with him, but we'll talk some other things. That'll be fun. Um, that's it for this weekend or this week's episode. Go Rangers, first of all, is how we're going to end this episode. Nope. Uh, yeah. No, nope. no. All right. Secondly, if you're not already a Mean Green 24-7 VIP, then what are you doing? You're missing out on great content every week written by yours truly. You do not want to miss that content, the VIP content, for example, for softball and basketball, away games, you get in-depth analysis. For basketball away games, I always write by the numbers, which gives you an in-depth look at Mean Green Basketball by the stats and figures of the night. So become a VIP to get all your UNT needs. And for this podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, and we're working on a couple other ones. Still working on YouTube. We'll figure it out eventually. But that's all we got today. Thank you, as always, for listening. You know, Milo doesn't interrupt these outros, so now I can say go Rangers and, you know, Memphis versus UNT this weekend. (laughs) Going to be a good one. Oh, see, now he's interrupting. But thank y'all for listening. You know, I I, I try not to let you – I try not to interrupt your your beautiful speech. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I mean, off the cuff. But that's it from us. We'll see you next week with lots and lots to talk about. Goodbye.